Welcome to another episode of the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Season Saul Hernandez, and today I am joined by the two great casters, content creators, Cormac Imperium Wyatt and Maximilian Maxman Baroud. Uh, I had a chance to work with them in the North American Champions League, a community vainglory tournament. Uh, Cormac, you guys remember I had the two episodes with him prior and we're getting a chance to sit down with Maxman as well. We're going to be talking about a variety of topics spanning from all over the gaming world. So sit tight. I really had fun with this interview, and I really appreciate them taking the time to join me for this podcast. So sit down, relax. This is the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. All right, guys. I am joined today by two very special guests. One of the guests you've had a pleasure of meeting in uh, two of my previous episodes, Cormac Imperium Wyatt. And then we are also joined by none other than uh, Maximilian Maxman. How do you pronounce your last name, sir? Barrow? Barrow. It's a very French name. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you guys both uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, For those of you guys who don't know, I've had the pleasure of working with these two uh, for the North American Champions League, uh, Vainglory community tournament and uh, I kind of wanted to touch base it's been a while since I've had a chance to speak with both of them uh, it's an honor to have them both here uh, just wanted to go into kind of what we what you know what's been going on since since the NACL since WSG uh, but yeah welcome guys thanks man yeah really, uh, my, really happy yeah to be here. It's like I, I'm a little bit like, is Max gonna talk? It, it, oh, you know, yeah. it's like yeah, we don't really like. <laughs> we're not used to doing this is kind of play-by-play play stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> so it's it's pretty oh, interesting man. the fact that I've had you guys. Uh, I'm having you guys both here on the cast. Uh, you guys have worked together obviously for the NACL. Um, you guys are working in you know since then. Uh, we've had other you know WSG has come and gone. Uh, obviously, these community tournaments were really huge uh, for, I guess, anybody that participated because SCMC, as it's been well stated, they were going through a bit of an esports restructuring, and a lot of people were kind of relying on the NACL team to put together a tournament where you know to you know to kind of keep the community together, you know, to keep the general interest of the game live, and. Um, you know, but since then, I, I've really wanted to ask you guys, what have you guys been up to? I'll start with Max first. Uh, he told me some interesting, uh, told me a little interesting tidbit. Um, you're now going to college for esports. Is that correct? Yeah, it's called ESAFAC. It's a French, uh, like it's been open for like maybe three years in Paris and it just opened in my city uh, like last year. So yeah, it's just uh, like, it's focused around eSport, around like different parts of eSport, like community management, uh, event organization, um, all kind of parts of eSport. And they're trying to like make you ready to jump into eSport. And you can maybe even become a caster if you do these kind of studies. So it's really good for me, right? As I want to try and make probably a full-time career out of casting or streaming or organizing events. So yeah, it's really, it's a really cool thing to do. And slowly in Europe, because Europe is pretty far behind in, in eSport, they're slowly going to be bringing out more um degrees like this so france is one of the first countries in europe right now to bring these kind of, and propose these kind of uh, of studies but like the uk is starting to get uh, up with it like also spain so yeah, i'm really happy to be able to do this right now and like put more time and effort into esport it's really cool so your your specialty will be in community management uh, event organization yeah 
So do they also, organization? Yeah. Do they Speaking. also so you do they they also have um do they have like management positions as well other than community like community management like actually like or like organizational like running an organization or is it just like the operation of an esports uh like let's say tournament or something like that infrastructure. Well, for the moment, I'm in first year, so they've been very vague. Like, it's not they've been very vague, but they're very general about everything. Like, after in the second year, so when I get to that point, I'll, I'll probably come back and explain that. But for now, we're just very like um, general in what's going on. And after that, in the second year, we're going to be able to like focus more specifically in what field you want to actually work in. So, for example, I want to organize tournaments. Then, in organize like event organization, I can say I want to work on creating tournaments and live events. Then I can say, okay, we're going to have courses specifically done for you, and I'm going to have programs and exams made for me. And then we'll be like, I'll have to create probably an event in like maybe what a week, and then have as many people could join the event. So it's like, and also what's really cool is the school is that they actually make you do physical, real projects. Like for example, we have a tournament that we got to create in the next few months where you have to have 50% uh, boys and 50% uh, females. Wow. Uh, okay. So That's really, a very yeah. We actually have to create stuff, and it's really nice. Are you allowed to bring some of that? vainglory expertise the expertise that you've accumulated in vainglory directly to your studies or are they specifically assigning you a title uh to work with oh no no like basically we can create uh we can work as a group and i'm working with like four people right now on on this project for like the, the mixed tournament here mm -hmm. and i'm going to bring my personal experience that i got from vainglory i'm going to be streaming i'm going to be doing all the like the back end part and i'm also going to be casting and training a group of a uh, bring to cast also the games is going to be on fifa uh, so yeah, it's just I'm bringing every all my experience I got from Vainglory in the past like year and a half uh, over, and it's really useful. Like, I'm really happy to have like done everything on Vainglory to now be working like on all these projects with my school is super nice. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I'm hoping that yeah, because I you know I've, I've stated this on the past how uh, esports has kind of lagged or the culture of accepting esports has kind of lagged in Western countries in America. Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing that. France is one of the f one of the first uh, Western countries to adopt an esports program uh, in a school. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome, and I'm hoping that we get to see some of that energy uh, directed towards this way. I, I might be wrong. Maybe there is an esports program that they have in the U.S., but uh, I, I want to believe I would have heard about it by now. But you but never know. Apparently, apparently there are some universities offering scholarships and stuff for esports, but and there are college esports teams being developed but you you know yourself season salt like america is such a big country that it's yeah. it's it's so vast that it's it's less it's going to take longer for it to um really become kind of widely known whereas like france is an individual country so you know it's it's easier for that to be highlighted within the western world because it's an individual country um rather than if you said like europe then yes it, it would be kind of maybe the same as it, it it as it is in america right now but because you're able to kind of separate the countries so to speak yeah um, yeah actually i was gonna say we're gonna get we're definitely gonna get into that uh in the future because i do yeah. agree with you on that like geographical isolation is definitely an issue that north america yeah. has to uh conquer in terms of network infrastructure and and other things like that but before we go there i wanted to ask you Imperium, it has been a while. Uh, you had so much stuff going yeah, on. Last time we spoke, we—I mean—we literally spanned the globe in what we spoke about. We even had two whole episodes to go into everything. But what have you <laughs> been up to since we last spoke? Dude, look, luckily, in some way, I don't think it's—it's it's two whole episodes worth this time. 
but to be honest, I've just been overall focusing on on the grind of of overall esports. Um, obviously casted WESG with my boy Maxman, which was an absolutely amazing opportunity. Not only because for the moment of the WSG qualifier um, twos, but also to be handed the chance of doing the grand finals, which I consider a outright personal success because it's it for whatever reason it's kind of like you know me and maxon were chosen and you know it, it was really amazing to to get that but also because of that um of course it instills more confidence in me but also it, it allows it allows me to add it to my resume it allows me to it has allowed me to kind of like um use it to connect with other people for example mgl has expanded to the north american region yeah through um animal plays um a, a gentleman called animal plays who i've known of before and it was announced that he was uh taken on the na side of mgl with various other games as well um so with that it kind of gives potentially the chance of me maxman to get opportunities in, in other games and other titles through MGL as well. But as far as what I've been up to, um, there was a bit of a break after WSG from a casting point of view. Mm-hmm. And personally, I worked my ass off two jobs. Um, before Christmas Day, I worked like 40 days in a row kind of thing. So um, Yeah, it definitely seems dude, like everybody took the holidays yeah. off and... and, and... Uh, you know, to kind of recoup because yeah. I did I pretty much did the same thing. The last podcast episode was sometime in November or, or late October. And then I, I took the rest of the holiday season off just so I could spend time with my family and try to make that extra Christmas money. Exactly. I had a question for uh, Max. Didn't at one point you weren't we like in there was a period where we didn't think you were going to be casting WSG. I remember they were selecting casters for the event and. I thought uh, I thought you had posted something on Twitter a while back saying that y- you weren't selected. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what happened? Like WSG had two periods. You had qualifier number one and qualifier number two. And qualifier number one, I was um, talking with Tomek at that point, like for trying to actually get into the tournament, and he wasn't really answering back a lot to me. So I was like, "Well, this is this is kind of annoying because I really wanted to try and get." Yeah, yeah, we were all was, rooting for you. Yeah, and and yeah. there was a period of time where I was like really working on my casting. Like, I would do, uh, like I would do workouts, like not workouts, like actually working out like i would take courses online to try and like work on my pronunciation on my voice uh trying to get uh like working on the meta i would take notes i'd have like huge files of just like all the meta on vainglory and trying to get personal interviews with the players so i was putting a lot of work and effort and improving my casting at that point i think that's like the, the biggest try hard session i've done on casting since i started casting like a year ago now and um and i i didn't get taken in unfortunately i was i was really put down i was like wow all that work and for nothing so and that was the first time i worked that hard in anything like even i, I, I mean i could imagine i could definitely imagine yeah. but lo and so behold you were able, yeah. you, you were brought you were eventually brought on the team yeah uh, the second season then they they took it around i did i did kind of have to spam tomic like quite a bit he must have got really annoyed so like okay we'll give him a spot you know we'll we'll try him out and we've done it and he was really happy with uh my job and imperium's job so super great experience and would definitely do it again it also helps that like and and this is one thing like that i credit maxman so much on is that like like the the dude's like so freaking talented when it comes to setting up stream overlays graphics 
I'm green screen webcams. Yeah, you get it. You're getting a like a total package. Yeah, like honestly, to me, it was always a no brainer that he was going to be given the opportunity. Um, but it's just like it always, every single time, it it astounds me the the work that Maxman puts into to set up a tournament and and to make it look as professional. It did help that with WESG that there was that expectation of professionalism there, so it was easier for and there was that kind of backup support through the four court system to set that up but like for example with the um tournament that we've just started uh now cryptic contest 5v5 tournament it's a community run tournament and and in some way you know maxman doesn't have to put in the effort that he has in terms of webcams etc overlays um along with the tournament organizer to set it up but the guy does it because he's proud of what he does and, and because he wants to put on the best show. And that's like that for people like me, that's just a pleb caster, so to speak. <laughs> that that makes me want to like, you know, bring my best so I can kind of go, okay, look, I appreciate the work you've put in. Um, so I want to make sure that I cast the best that I can from that point of view. But yeah, like the work Maxon puts in is just absolutely phenomenal, man. All right, so then that leads me to my next question. Uh, we'll start with Max. Takeaways from w- the, the whole WESG experience. What were the pros and what were the cons uh, of working uh, with WESG to bring this uh, event to the masses? Well, the pro, the pros, of course, like was the the contacts that we got from it. Like, well, of course, we were working directly, like like kind of directly and directly. I'm not too sure, but, like with Razor. So it's really cool to add to your resume as yeah. the Imperium was saying early, like, oh, we've done a tournament like sponsored by Razor. So that was like definitely something that was really interesting. Like we also had like we were mentioned that we were gonna have investors from Razor watch the stream, which surely happened. We didn't know who it was or what was going on, but like we did have then a few people actually watch our work. So that was really like that was one big pro. After of course, that was our first like personally for me, I don't know for Imperium hundred percent, but I think that was also the case for Imperium. It was our first pay gig. Sure, it wasn't a huge amount. But it's definitely something that says, okay, my, my work is worth something. And that was a huge yeah. driver for me. Like, man, I can actually like actually do something from this. Like, I was 20 years old. I'm 21 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like at 20, like to say, wow, I made like a few few bucks out of this stuff on the internet just by talking like an idiot for a few minutes. It's like actually quite cool. <laughs> so why not do that again? You know, so that was really a, a huge driver for me to see that there's actual potential. Mm-hmm. um like to, to make a career out of casting um yeah. after life i had to say one con uh i i, I don't even know I would, I'd find any i just enjoyed the entire freaking experience uh maybe one con was actually uh imperium uh like um talking too much <laughs> oh wow oh wow, wow. Toxic. Toxic. but wow. i love it so it's fine it's a pro and a con you know it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the accent makes up for it i love it <laughs> Wow. wow. All right, so I had to tackle your pyramid at some point. And Come so, on. And so the true Maxon comes out. Well, <laughs> glad this is being recorded. It's it's cool. This is what he's like when, whenever by the way, on a side note, like whenever we like end stream or before stream or even like the night before uh-huh. casting on Sunday, like we were on VC. Um myself and Maxon were literally just like chatting crap and just you know getting on it like he, yeah, you're having the pg so version much. of a, of a yeah. maxman imperial conversation right now <laughs> exactly but it's like i don't know if you saw on twitter for example like you know when i put up like um a picture of my screen of my background picture of, um, of my screensaver on my 
on my computer being like a picture of of Maxman. But like Maxman started that by putting a picture of me on the background of his PC, and it's just kind of like <laughs> it's stuff like that that we get up to. That's just so awesome to um to be able to at least in some way express. I think pod, with the uh, I definitely appreciate that with the climate of VG kind of going up and down, and and you know, well, we're definitely going to go into this before. Uh, after yeah. we get uh, Imperium's pros and cons, I think it's awesome that you know, like you guys as casters, even though you guys have had a relationship in the community circuit and have now also had the chance to kind of develop that relationship further in a more competitive uh, scene and a more observed environment where 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 so many more eyes, so many more eyes are, are on it, and the fact that you guys can be civil and friendly and 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 just goofing off i, I think it definitely helps to the chemistry and and I, I definitely applaud you guys uh which is why i chose you two to come on the podcast because i feel like uh you guys were the duo for nacl um and like i said the chemistry is good and it, it's really nice to see that you guys that you know you guys had continued to work through that even through the wesg um with that I'll take your pros and cons, Imperium, on what you felt the WSG experience gave us. Go on, tackle yeah, me, Imperium. Go for it. Uh, just like, <laughs> excuse me, I'm not like you, um, <laughs> Kappa. But um, look, kind of echo what Maxon said. Yeah, the the biggest pro was the fact that it's an official qualifying tournament for a big live event at the end of the day. That is WSG. It was an amazing experience to directly say that I've worked for on a tournament that's sponsored by Razor for WSG. Telling also it was actually easier to actually tell kind of real life people that don't know about esports about what I do because I can say I did this um qualifying tournament for a live event. It just makes it easier um to explain though. Uh, obviously, like Maxman said, it was realistically my first paid casting gig um, that I consider my first. I did get paid for um, some small stuff back when I first started, but I was even more of a noob back then. So I, I know it just it doesn't count. Um, look, Still are. <laughs> yeah, well, bigger noob, bigger noob. Um, you've had your time to roast me. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as cons to be honest the only con was that it ended that's that's the only con that i can that i can really think of oh wait no and the fact that i had to look at maxman's face oh there, every, there, there's uh, there it is <laughs> every freaking weekend man like i got barely any sleep because <laughs> of the experience like why do you think i took a such a long break season sauce I, it was just too traumatic it's just, it's after just that traumatic <laughs> yeah like you know why do you think my background picture is of his face you know it, it's the only way i can actually now sleep is just you know it, it's just P pdsd man you know pdsd but anyway um no like seriously um no con all positive and i suppose it you know what the only potential the only potential con, to be perfectly brutally honest, is that when me and Maxman first started casting together, um, I've, I've, I've of course said this on Twitter already when we got the gig. Yeah. Um, was that when me and Maxman first started casting together and realized, geez, we're actually okay together. Um, we're okay at doing this stuff. We both said that 
at the time, obviously, back in the good old days of VG Esports, that we will cast Vainglory 8, or the equivalent. And, of course, you kind of don't think it's going to happen, and getting the opportunity with WSG was this in my eyes and i think in maxon's eyes was the same as getting the opportunity to cast in vg8 because it's full-on competitive and glory um the only kind of con is that the, the small fear that you you're not going to get a better opportunity than that as a caster and that that's your but is that a con or is that just only... like is that a con or is that it's, like a it's, personal it's a, fear it's a bit of both. It's a, it's it, when I say it's a con, it's a it's a potential con down the line. When I look back and go, ah, oh, it, it all went downhill from yeah, there. But, but I mean, but that's 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 like a personal, you know, like that's not something that because I mean, at the end of the day, you put it on your resume and that helps you. You know, what I'm saying doing something with WSG is only but a you know, it's a, that's like a piece of your resume now that mm. you use to promote yourself from here on out. Of course, as I said, it's just a personal. I suppose fear slash kind of potential con, but that's why I, I thought I'd use the opportunity to be a little bit honest from that point of view. No, I hear you. I hear you. Definitely. I mean, listen, I hit that point when I was working with Gameloft and that was the top for me as a caster. Like, yeah. you know, once Gameloft yeah. folded on order, uh, Heroes of Order and Chaos, that was it. The entire crew literally disbanded within a couple of weeks after the tournament, you know? So for me, yeah. that was, but I wouldn't say that was because of game loft doing that that was because me like we were so invested in one title you know back then like casting for a game it was like we were loyal to that one game we thought that True. we we were going to yeah. be like the lcs version for heroes of order and yeah. chaos what you know like quick shot and all the casters for a league were you know in respects yep. to their tournament and that's not what happened we didn't realize that for an amateur like shoutcasters coming up uh which is interesting that you actually, I'm actually happy that you mentioned that because um, a lot of people don't understand that the casters of today, their portfolio is a little bit different than some of the casters of yesteryear. Um, whereas okay. many casting talent are grandfathered into uh, the developers, you know, the, you know, the individual developer brings on their talent, you know, like Riot has their own squad that they rotate yes. their own talent Whereas the amateur shoutcaster, in order to make a splash, they have to have a wide variety uh, of games. And it, it seems like we have to have more knowledge now of all the games that are out than what it was back then. Because, you know, back then it was like, okay, if you got in, if you casted CS 1.6, you were going to get grandfathered into CS, you know, CS Go. Uh, and then yeah, you know some of the casters so from CS 1.6 moved over to League, and then they stood they stood in with League, and then after League, you know, um, yeah. I forgot what this guy's name that he 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 that was his uh, path. Oh jeez, I forgot his name. Uh, but he's actually now uh, one of the global like he's like a senior manager or something like that for ESL. I forgot. The okay. Hell. Um, but Joe, Joe Miller, Joe Miller, yes, yes. Joe you know, Miller. I thought you saying Joe Munchables. I was like. What? <laughs> But yeah, it's just like the 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 fear of staying relevant, and, and and that, you know, a lot of these casting jobs initially for us are done for free. You know, a lot of the work that gets put into tournaments, community events, they're they're usually done for free until the big boys notice. And I'm really happy that at least for you guys, and the others who had a chance to participate in this event, that you guys got some sort of compensation. So 
I really do appreciate you actually bringing that, even, you know, that kind of personal fear out there. So with that, I'm going to close this particular segment off. I'm just going to pause recording real quick while we get some ads in. And then we'll start with the next two topics. All right, we are back. Um, so the next topic on the list of things that I wanted to talk about, uh, which was briefly mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, was esports culture. We had asked Max about his venture into esports college, uh, France being one of the first countries to adopt uh, an educational program for esports as a whole. Um, he mentioned you mentioned something about esports kind of lagging in Western culture. Uh, what do you guys? I guess I'll start since Max is you're definitely you're you're the one actually partaking in uh, this educational journey. Um, what are your thoughts on the culture of Western esports versus what we're seeing in Asia and uh, Eastern countries? Well, definitely, it it is very far behind. Like it's very new. People are just slowly getting like even learning about esports. Like my parents had no idea they existed, and they had like I was doing. Two years ago, I was studying uh, in, um, I was going into a major for uh, computer science. Uh-huh. I was like going to program, I was going to go C++ and all that kind of stuff. And um, like I said, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't enjoy it. I want to go into like, this is eSports school that's opening up. And they said like, eSports school, is, is that a Pokemon? And they had no idea what it was. Um, so it's just and right now, people are not educated about it. And that's why we need to have, I think, um, official groups try and um, make it known that this can actually be a proper career path as a player, as an athlete, or because people might not also call players athletes, but I think they are, but well, that's a different topic. Yeah. Um, and they've got to try and make it like known a little bit to the, the wider public. So that's why, for example, in France right now, we have uh, the, the government actually has um, a ministry that's entirely rela- like surrounding eSport right now. It's making an actual official um like career to work in it's called like um france esport and and it's like making it officially recognized through the eyes of like multiple companies in france so it's like it's, it's slowly starting like not all countries like some countries in in europe that are really good in terms of esport are uh russia uh, yes. then well the, the 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 western side of russia uh sweden and france they're the top three countries right now in europe in terms of their advancement in esport, uh, UK once again, Spain, as I mentioned earlier, they're slowly getting up to pace. But it's just right now we have to educate people and show them what esport is because not many people know what it is, except for the younger part of the, of like the younger generation in Europe right now. So it's just right now is not known. It's just people don't have no clue what it is. And uh, Imperium, what do you feel? How how do you feel about what he uh, what he expressed? Yeah, like. Overall, Maxon is dead right. Overall, he's, he's absolutely spot on. Um, I know. <laughs> most people, most people I talk about, um, most people I talk to about kind of what I do that I'm involved in esports, and literally every single person, other than the very odd few, is are like, what's esports? Like, and 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 it's it's a little bit frustrating, but I understand it for sure. Um, what I love about the countries that Maxman have mentioned uh, within Europe at least is that, and here's where it, it does need to be taken on, is that the government needs to support these things. Um, it needs to be a government-backed initiative from countries. The issue, and, and 
maybe I'm going a little bit off topics or the potential risk when you're talking about um kind of compared to uh other you know the eastern your the eastern um countries like Asian countries and stuff like that when you look at America and how much is grown in America um it's grown in America from a business standpoint which is by no means bad but it's also a lot riskier because money gets thrown at it expecting a return but when it's government funded over uh, when it's government funded yeah when it's government funded it's 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 trying to instill it into the culture of people rather than just as a you know the new trend of of something to do um there's always going to be uh like there's always going to be a an attitude or a judgment based on what people know about gaming in general like right now most people that are adults that did not grow up within the world of video games or modern video games uh look at Fortnite and see their grandkids or their kids playing Fortnite and that is their kind of experience of of video gaming and that's going to slightly skew what they think about it because Fortnite is a very kid-friendly game from a colorful point of view but it's all but it also doesn't represent obviously what esports and and competitive video gaming is about so it it it's it's going to take time um but positive movements are being made based on obviously what maxim is doing himself um like i never had the opportunity when i was um 21 which is like far too long ago but yeah look it's gonna take time but there's always going to be positive and negatives i definitely agree that the government should have some sort of um oversight i won't say government sponsored because obviously if you allow governments to regulate uh esports to an extreme it could kind of deteriorate the product and as i mean in america we know that a lot of things that are government run and government sponsored they don't tend to work out very well i will say that maybe the government can have some sort you know similar uh countries have athletic commissions well which govern what's up yeah just to kind of really quickly expanded it before you kind of um just to like the typical example of where the government getting involved could help was and I've I've watched a good few videos about that. Back in the day when Tekken first came out. Yeah. And it was this like it was one of like like the most violent video games released at the time and the government threatened to get involved from a ratings point of view. And they basically said, Look, we we will get involved if you guys as a video industry don't get a hold of this now i know it's a different area but it, it's still something that could be done so the government should say look we will regulate this if you don't regulate re- regulate it yourselves when it comes to let's say the amount the cap on funding or something like that you know what i mean yeah that's um, what I said. like some um yeah which is why i was saying like some sort of like similar to how we have in physical sports we have athletic commissions yes. you know let's say for fighters that in order yes. to hold on one sec- just bear with me one second that we have uh, athletic commissions that we have athletic commissions that uh, pardon me 
athletic commissions that sanction the fighters and allow the fighters to compete in certain states here in America and obviously overseas. Um, maybe they could regulate, uh, obviously, drug usage. I know that uh, early on in the esports world, we had uh, an issue with players uh, doping, um, using amphetamines and, and things like that uh, to gain an unfair advantage. Um, you know, then again, these gamers are playing like 12 to 16 hours a day. Uh, obviously, there you know there should be certain things in place to protect uh, the player from doing harm to themselves. So that in that aspect, I don't mind the government be trying to establish like a standardized, uh, like some sort of standards in respects to player safety and 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 overall. Well, yeah, like and a big thing um, is like contracts, like player contracts for organizations, like so many players get screwed over by mm. basically terrible contracts because it's not really regulated or heavily looked after if that makes sense yeah esports tend to target younger audiences and yep. with that comes shorter smaller paychecks unless you're a faker and the rest of skt and you know asian countries tend to pay their players more uh, than western countries Obviously, the you know, there's an issue, um, as I put on the outline, there's a lot of issues with overvaluation. We saw this happen with SEMC. Um, there was all these videos posted. Uh, I know Excoundrel and Humanist, they had their run-ins with SEMC and, and how they observed things from their side working with SEMC. And they basically kind of gave us this first peek of, what over this term overvaluation, which is being used more and more in today's esports uh, society, and you know it's very easy to say, hey, this company needs to invest money in creating an esports division, but then if there's no return or the game isn't relevant, I mean, we're even seeing companies like Activision Blizzard uh, cancel uh, their esports ventures, you know, i.e., Blizzard uh, Heroes of the Storm. You know what I'm saying? They they act they pulled the plug completely because it you know it's just the money wasn't there. There was no return investment. Yeah, it it it's it's and that's where it comes down to like going back to what I mentioned about like in America, it's like I said, a lot of the growth is coming down from like you know investments being made by all of these entrepreneurs and and you know the bubble of of investing in the new trend whereas it should be about growing it organically through government funded um initiatives and and then a higher level of government regulation and support um within the youth but that's but that's like i said i think that's going to take time and i think there unfortunately I think there's going to be a big controversy before it happens. Yeah, a lot I just of don't know are, when. Are bound to push back on it. But yeah. you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the word bubble. I know we're probably all three of us are following the outline here. I'm going to skip over that next one, and we're going to come back to the next topic. But speaking about bubbles, we've now seen um, battle royale games. Ooh. We have seen. Are you guys in or are you out? You know, Fortnite has been like the hottest thing, you know, for the past year or so. And now it's almost seeming like Apex Legends has swept 
for you know the rug from underneath Fortnite. How do you guys feel about these battle royale games? And um, yeah, we'll start with that, and then I'll elaborate. How do you guys feel, Max? How like what's your take on on these battle royale games? I'm a hundred percent in. Like I I think it's awesome that like for example, you talked about Apex. You just mentioned it. Uh, Apex in just like a, a week. After his launch, uh, 25 million players in like that's way more than Fortnite had in that period of time when they launched a yeah. battle royale mode. <laughs> it's just like the visibility you get out of it is huge. Like people never heard of like video games sometimes. Like they have heard of video games, but like they didn't really get any huge information like on on like one specific game, for example. And Fortnite allowed video gaming and like even esport for some people to like to be shown. And yeah. that's what I really like about it is like even though I'm not a big fanatic of like playing battle royales, like I'm I'm a MOBA type of guy. I really like like Vainglory, League of Legends, um, not a Dota, and I don't really play that. But um, it's it's really cool for that like a game that allows you to grant that visibility. Um, and also for for really large audiences, you got like people from the ages of like eight years old to maybe fifty, sixty to play Fortnite or Apex. Now twenty five million once again is huge. So you're gonna have people from all ages. Once yeah. again, that visibility you get out of it, you're going to get a lot of use out of it, and it's going to maybe even make the process of like making uh, gaming and esport a more legit thing in the future going to go way faster. So I'm 100% into it. Love it. What do you feel about the life expectancy of Fortnite? Do you think that Fortnite has peaked and it's on its way down, or do you think Fortnite becomes a viable or a sustainable franchise? Because it almost looks like, I mean, even the Fortnite shares have dropped over the past, uh, you know, the, the, the share price in Epic has dropped in the stock market over literally a week, you know? Yeah, you... Well, it's normal. Like, I'm not really surprised there, but like, Ep like after it is Fortnite, we are talking about, like, after some point, I'm sure that the hype of Apex is going to slowly go down. Not saying it's going to die off. Like, Apex is a great, great game. I, I spam it almost every single day for the past week, mm -hmm. and it's great. I haven't got, I've only got one win so far, so I'm really bad, but I still love it. Um, <laughs> so... It, like once again, like it, it is Fortnite. We are talking about it's, it's a huge, huge company, and they really know how to market things. They got always huge updates with new content. So even though they are now past their huge peak that they had already, that was like middle of last year, um, it's gonna, it's not gonna die off. Like Fortnite is gonna stay alive and is always gonna keep going. Like I'm not really, I don't really have an issue with that. Like and also one little like interesting fact, you guys didn't know, um, Epic Games bought actually the keywords on uh, on Google of Apex Legends. And now if you go search sometimes on Apex Legend, it will redirect you towards Fortnite. So wow. they've been smart. They're, they've been super smart about it. That wow. Definitely a step ahead. <laughs> what do you feel, how, how do you feel, uh, Max, about, I mean, uh, Imperium, about the uh, the Fortnite, like, you know, the potential of Fortnite peaking and, and these new games kind of coming out and, and, and making a splash on, you know, basically Twitch front, front page and, and basically all over the world? Well, like, yeah, B firstly, BRs in general, I'm all for. Um, I, I love that kind of, um, that certain level of, of, you know, all people in one map. It, it, it allows for so much depth of strategy, um, you know, where you land and all that jazz, uh, as, as we all know. Um, Fortnite, it's a completely demographic, completely different demographic to uh apex legends it's completely different like you look at i'm sure if you in, in anybody did any kind of research of the 25 million people playing um apex legends i i could pretty much put money on it that the demographic is between 
nineteen and thirty-five. I could Whereas definitely when agree you with look you on at that. W- when you look at Fortnite, realistically that demographic is between ten and ten and seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, ten. And, so it's a completely different demographic. Um, I think BRs in, in battle royales as as a genre is is right now it's kind of a little bit like music or a music genre yeah. so like music genres come and go um and battle royales as, as a genre of gaming is really popular the positive within that is that it, it breeds more competition within its genre the good thing about apex legend like i said is it's a completely different demographic it's not re- I, I i know i like based on what Maxman said about Epic kind of um buying the 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 kind of tag for Apex Legends, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's a completely different demographic. Where I think it's really good for Apex Legends is because it is uh t- seems to be targeting or it is overall a more professional looking game that there's a bigger chance that it will be taken a bit more seriously within the mainstream audience when it comes to esports because Fortnite I don't think it's seen as uh from a mainstream point of view as an actual esports title. Mm-hmm. It's just this fun game that kids play. Whereas Apex Legends, because it's in that battle royale genre and it kind of Yeah, it's got a, it's got a bit of a, a, a mature feel to it exactly exactly yeah. um plus one thing that like maxman said that i think is so amazing about a game that gets it right when you don't care that you lose that you just want to play to get better and to get that win that's when a game has freaking made it in my eyes yeah. when a player turns around and says and i've had this from i've seen this on all so many people on Twitter have kind of gone, turned around and gone, oh, I've yet to win a game, but I still love Apex. Like, I've yet to win it, but, I, you know, I really want to keep playing so I can win a game. That is the sign of, like, a game just making it, you know? Yeah, the interesting... Yeah, I'll definitely say the interesting aspect of a Battle Royale is that you may not win a game, but there are these, like, little micro-victories that you have in a match that yeah. even though you might not place in the top 10 or you might not place in the first place... You know, there are these like little micro scenarios where you are presented with the victory like, oh, man, I didn't win this game. But dang, I got like seven kills, you know, uh, you know, so that I guess that does. And that's something that I'm kind of learning to grasp because I've never been one for Battle Royale games. I do enjoy PUBG because it's a tactical game. Um, yeah. PUBG kind of reminds me of when I played. Uh, I used to not it wasn't a Battle Royale game, but. I remember I used to play Ghost Recon on the Xbox, the the original Xbox, Ghost Recon and Summit Strike. You know, that over-the-shoulder, third-person view uh, potential for high tactical uh, situations. And then just imagine putting it in a Battle Royale situation. That was what I fell in love with. They're playing um, Operation Flashpoint, Arma. You know, like it just just really evolved on the – it puts you in a pressure. Basically, putting the – putting everybody in a pressure cooker and, 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 and watching like this little mini war play out every map. So it's something that I'm trying to like get used to. My friend constantly calls me every night. He's like, yo dog, you need to get on apex. 
you know, uh, you got you to gotta get on it. Like, we've been playing, like, you know, played 100 games. He's playing right now. He literally told me, he's like, yo, don't even do the podcast tonight. Just hop on the PlayStation. Let's do some freaking, <laughs> let's play Apex. And that's probably what I'm going to do after I upload the episode. But um, uh, what was I going to, oh, speaking of uh, the, 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 you know, what we're feeling about Battle Royale games, um, obviously it's been stated over and over again that you guys have a history um, in MOBAs, Vainglory, uh, et cetera. Where do you guys feel the MOBA genre is today as to where it was a year ago or two years ago? Is it in decline? Is is that's is, is the MOBA genre viable? Are people going to continue to play MOBAs and have professional environment, you know, competitive environments uh, for the foreseeable future? Mm, well, to be honest, I, I, it is slowing down. I think we've seen that. Like you see some huge MOBAs, like once again, League of Legends going to take that one as an example here um there's <coughs> sorry man still a little bit sick um but they they are starting now to advertise a lot more on youtube i think you guys might have seen that like i, I on the french youtube version like we're having ads of of um, league of legends absolutely everywhere and it's just that they're slowly like slowing down their play base is maybe not is not slow like getting smaller but as at least it's not growing as exponentially as it used to yeah so it's just that it's not gonna it's not gonna disappear. Like MOBA is that huge, huge like game mode that everyone's known to love. Like I'm sure many gamers started by playing League of Legends and then started playing other PC games, maybe some Call of Duty after that or some PUBG, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's gonna be still something that's gonna be present in the gaming community and I think will never leave. But it will, and it has already started to slow down after you got different like modes that can come out. Like for example, I forgot the name. It was this uh, battle royale slash um, MOBA game. Oh, Survival I... Heroes. Uh, no, not the, the the PC version. There was a PC one. Oh, I didn't see. I didn't see uh, that one. I there was a, like a, a MOBA slash battle royale game that came out, and you can spin around the MOBA genre to make it new and fresh again, and bring back people. It's like the battle royale mode. Like you got Fortnite, you got PUBG, and then you got Apex that comes in with a completely different mechanic and an entire new game and a new take on this battle royale genre. There's already existed for like maybe what like three years four years from now that was at, at least renowned because of PUBG. yeah um so it's not because uh like the current mobas you have right now are slowly slowing down but it doesn't mean that you can't have a, a company does this great idea and makes a brand new moba and moba just like comes back once it's it i think moba is great and it will always be great and i always come back to it when i need to and i think companies will also do that like if they have a good idea and they make it well like apex yeah they can make 25 million in a week i'm sure like for me and and when you look at moba mobas as a genre is is like it kind of comes back to what i said about it it's it's like a genre in music they have their peaks and their ways you know and they kind of go they go they come back you know like 80 sounds have started making a bit of a comeback in music uh -huh. not completely but they've been kind of introduced in some mainstream um artists and stuff like that um and where league of legends have succeeded above any other moba and what should be the aim of any game and any developer is that it's not really it, it's gone past being remembered or known as a MOBA it's just remembered as and it's known as a fantastic game and a fantastic esports title so it, it goes beyond um 
the MOBA genre. So that's where I think a game like League of Legends have succeeded. So it's and that's taken them a long time. Like I remember playing League of Legends back in 2013, um, when it was only a couple of years old, and it's taken them like five six years to really, really like get well known within esports. As obviously as esports have grown, you're you so, are right. Yeah. So what is so that's that's the thing. It comes down to. If a game can get past its actual known genre, i.e. Apex Legends being known as a BR, if it gets past that and it's just known and becomes successful as an esports title, that's where it will succeed. Because yes, League of Legends might not be exponentially growing, but that's to be expected because it's a drawn it, it it's a game that is of is of a particular genre and genres within games have peaks and troughs like i said um so yeah they'll advertise a bit more to try and help improve their player base but as an esports title we've seen them at least in europe they did a rebrand under lec under lec series that from what i've seen has been very successful within the esports um communion within the esports world like their numbers from what i've seen and from what i've heard has been really successful and the new format has been pretty good and that's where they're going to keep on succeeding is by evolving as an esports title and then the game will is at a point where in my opinion it will stay consistent within um the world of gaming I could definitely uh I could definitely respect that. Improvise, adapt, overcome, as the great yeah. Bear Grylls <laughs> once said. Um one of the ways that companies have I guess unified their player base is adapting a cross platform model. Uh we saw Fortnite. Um we saw Fortnite adopt it, you know, now you can play you know, before it was just every platform was separate. Um, I'm not sure if Ape is Apex also allowing this. Um, as of right now, it's uh, it's not cross-platform. Oh, 25 million players you don't really need to yet yeah, this launch. Uh, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I, I think they have they have probably have an intent to do so because like cross-platform like is the future of gaming in general. Uh, it's just it's just going to be huge. Now, what are your thoughts on uh, what are both of your thoughts on the cross-platform model? Is this something that it you 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 just said now that it's going to be uh, essential? for for mm-hmm. games to allow this to happen um but you know obviously that that age-old debate uh is the touch you know it is the mouse and keyboard better than the controller is the controller better than the, the touch screen you know what i'm saying is that mm-hmm. you know where do you feel well, about that what are the what are the advantages and disadvantages of that well it's really funny to mention in this because uh literally just uh for my <laughs> mock exams i had a presentation on cross-platform and i took an example of fortnite um, but you said like what you just mentioned there was a uh, is mouse and keyboard better is like for example like the controller better. I don't think it's a question of what is better. I think it's more a question of what play like what platform suits you the most. Like if you say me what mo what platform do you want to play Vainglory on? I'm gonna say well I want to play it on on my iPad you know, uh-huh. because I really like it. And now it's available on PC and then also at the end of 2019 as it was mentioned uh, in a few updates they made about Vainglory X is gonna be available on console. So that's gonna be Xbox, PS4 and the nintendo switch wow so yeah that's going to be coming out at the end of the year it's really awesome that they're doing that and i think more companies should be going that way because 
you're locking your player base in on one specific platform and you're going to be losing like potential growth and then um, potential players and then potential income. So for companies, you know, that doesn't make much sense. So when you have Fortnite, it comes up and shows, he basically, Fortnite passed away, like paved the way for so many companies in the video yeah. game industry. They said, look, you have your game on PC and they all play together and then they made it cross-platform between PC and consoles. The play base huge, like it just expanded so fast. And then they made it on mobile. It wasn't cross-platform at the start on like during the better phase, but then they made it cross-platform and then you can play where you want with who you want on any platform do you want. And it just makes it gaming so much more accessible to play with your friends when you play on a casual game mode. And for example, Battle Royales, I think is really good to play with friends. Just join your squad. Uh, and, and just play, once again, where you want, with who you want on any platform. And that's what video games should be right now, is to have fun. After you got, like, you got, of course, the eSport part, it's, like, for competition and everything. But right now, when you're talking about pure gaming uh, and to try and touch as many um, players as possible, cross-platform is definitely a really good business plan for companies to make more revenue and get more players in their gaming communities. I can respect that. What, what about you, Imperium? Yeah, like... Uh... Of course, overall, yeah, cross-platform is, is yeah, as as Maxon said, the future of gaming. Um, is like is keyboard better? Is is controller better? Yeah, it, it comes down to personal preference based on your age, your demographic, what you grew up with. You know, like similar to Maxon, like if somebody asked me what I prefer playing, um, Vainglory on, it's touchscreen. There's and there's also differences within that. So like I never I used to always play with my phone, um, Vainglory on my on my phone, which is smaller, kind of easier to move the thumbs around. Mm-hmm. I I got a iPad nine point seven inch um at Christmas, and I've had to get used to that now. It because touchscreen is a little bit easier, so it's kind of like it it, it comes down to personal preference and what is easier for you to get to grips with the game in. Um, as far as a business model and for gaming developers, I do think there's a certain risk of going for cross-platform. Um, and I'm going to kind of use Vainglory as a bit of an example, mainly because I know about it. Um, Vainglory as a business, great idea going for cross-platform. But where they've messed up as a business is that they've kind of turned their backs on where they originally got a name from the yeah the moba perfected for touch yeah not just turned their back on in terms of their going cross-platform it's not that it's the fact that from a business company communication point of view they've messed up big time to be perfectly honest not communicating and not giving enough information and not being really truthful of their intentions well what do you feel what do you feel their what do you feel their intentions are when you say that semc is kind of dropping the ball they're dropping the ball by not supporting community run tournaments like they don't have to have a huge esports scene nobody nobody even though it was a huge drop, nobody expected the same level of esports in 2018 as it was in 2017. I mean, I would definitely. But the fact that we SCMC... had we had this issue, we had this issue. We we actually spoke about this before, 
about yeah. uh, I mean it's no it's no uh secret about why SCMC well I'm not going to assume I'm I'm not going to say word for word that this is why they pulled out of their esport uh, you know their community sponsor uh events but you know it's been well known that there were previous content creators that kind of were just in it for you know like they this concept of when I used to stream back on Camcord when we were paid to spot a stream on Camcord and, yeah. and Mob Crush, how people kind of farmed video games for views. You True. know what I'm saying? And there True. was a lot of people that um, there was a lot of people that kind of just played Vainglory and only used Vainglory to develop their own personal fan base, and they didn't really give back to the game. The way True. that SCMC, um, you know, so I wouldn't say that that's cross-platform, an issue with their cross-platform support. No, but but where where it is is that, like I said, there's been there there was kind of a huge backlash over, a realistically a huge lack of communication in 2018 from SCMC. That yes, they've announced cross-platform, which is a really positive thing, but it also has left a sour and even more of it, in my opinion, even more of a sour taste. Uh -huh. in the mouth of the current community because it's kind of like well there's still no information on any kind of esports in 2019 there's still no communication on on what the game is really going to be doing for the actual community right now yet it's kind of like you're trying to aim to get more customers it, it, it's 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 like any kind of retail business i get it you're, you you're kind of saying like they're they're after. they're unifying or they're they're gen they're creating a new player base they're trying to unify their old player base with this new player base but you're saying that with that it, it's it kind of just you know like there were some unfinished questions uh obviously yeah. well stated you and i have definitely went in we, we definitely took the exactly. two episodes to really dig deep into where we felt scmc was going at the time and uh, I kind of feel like that that narrative that what you're saying is is definitely uh, something to um, definitely something to keep in consideration, especially with respect yeah. to VG. Yeah, like so. So just kind of going back, I think that so going back to that, I think there is a certain risk and fear of um of of a developer or a company directly aiming for cross platform. Like Fortnite did it gradually; they took over the the kind of PC sector of Battle Royale. And, yeah, then, and then slowly they, they, they started adding other consoles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it's kind of like they did it the right way. Whereas if a company tries to kind of go from zero to 100 in, in a short space of time, it's kind of like that can be the potential risk. Well, I think, um, I think, I think Vanguard so yeah. is kind of doing that same thing. Uh, I think they're doing that same thing. I mean, they started off with, I mean, they started mobile, but they went PC and now Max said that later this year we we might be seeing the console ports. So yeah. I think yeah. if it's any game that's gonna that has the chance to do it right, see this is my issue with games like Arena Valor. I really do enjoy the game and I appreciate Tencent for releasing a uh, a copy a clone of what League was supposed to be. The issue with you know like if it's a company that's really having an issue right now, even though they're still providing a top somewhat top level mid top tier esports competition is aov and that you know the chinese version of aov is not even called aov it's honor of kings yep. and you know yep. they have champions that are almost synonymous to what we have in america and, and europe but 
they're not you know there's no batman there's no joker they have their own champions but if you put the games side by side they'd be virtually identical in what the champions can do then you have an issue where the cross-platform play you know i have aov for the switch and i have aov for mobile it's not cross-platform this is an issue that heroes of order and chaos this is what killed heroes of order and chaos the ability that i had to host tournaments on android and people from ios are like oh what's your in-game name and i'm like our first question i had to ask was like you know what the first question i had to ask them is like hey do you have um do you have iphone or android because we can't if you if you know i'm on android you can't play with me if you're on iPhone. And then when I had to, wow. when I was hosting the uh, iOS tournament, they had to mail me a brand new iPad Air 2 just so I could cast the tournament. They were like, hey, Salt, we want you to be a part of it. I'm like, hey, I'm Android only, man. Unless you have some magic iOS emulator, you know, like there's no way I can cast. You know, and then they're like, oh, well, we're going to give you an iPad. But like, and I'm like, okay, well, is my account, can like my, I log in with my account? They're like, no, you have to start from level one. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do this then. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. this sucks. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, because I want I was telling him, I'm like, listen, I want to do so much more than just this tournament. You know what I'm saying? Once I'm done hosting your tournament, I want to host iPhone tournaments. You know what I'm saying? And I want to show people, no, nobody's going to respect a level one guy streaming on iPhone. You're like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's only level one. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it just, it, you know, so it, with respects to VG, I kind of give them credit that they're. Okay. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're bringing in the PC, uh, and I'm hoping that other MOBAs, maybe even AOV at some point, they'll bridge the gap, but like, let's say league, I I just, oh man, I could go on about how I feel this whole arena Valor experience. You want to talk about frustrated as much as I really like AOV. That's a company that really dropped the ball in respects to merging player bases. Because if I talk to somebody in China about AOV, they're going to be completely clueless, but at least with Vainglory, you know, a Windows person, a play, person playing on PC and a person playing on phone, they can still enjoy the game together. I really do hope with what you said earlier about their uh, their current esports structure, which was going to be a question I asked. I was going to ask you guys earlier in the podcast, and I'll let Max kind of give me his because you get your uh, Imperium. You already gave me your belief or your your kind of concerns with what the esports structure is for SCMC. I really do hope that Vainglory has a plan in place. Uh, for the future, because I really was curious to ask you, you guys your opinions on what happens now from WSG. You know, what was going to be next? I was going to ask you guys if you guys were involved in any of the projects, and it kind of Imperium kind of let out the let the cat out of the bag, saying that <laughs> there's no um, right now. There doesn't seem to be any future projects. So, Maxman, what do you? How do you feel about that? Well, already I'm going to clear up one thing. Um, SCMC used to organize their esports scene before, um, like. Yeah. What, like 2017. Now, uh, like you lose people like uh, Fuji, um, Playoff Beard, like people that used to create and put together the esports, you know, Vainglory. They are now gone. Like you have a Playoff Beard, Playoff Beard that's now with EA. I don't know what Fuji is doing right now, but I'm sure he's working on other esports projects. Um, and then, like, so they shifted the entire esports scene over to ESP. So uh, as of right now, I do not have any contacts with ESP except Dragonborn and still him. I don't talk to him quite a lot. Uh-huh. Um, so I literally have no idea what they're going to try and do. Um, I think what maybe SMC should be trying to do now because they, they do not have a hold on their own esports scene would be to maybe take contact with uh, you know, like outside organizations such as, for example, uh, MGL, the Mobile Gaming League, yeah, and try and get them to create a, a new challenge or at least maybe some kind of an official tournament with some kind of cash prize because we did have a cash prize for WSG. Well, we not cash prize, we did have some 
prizes. Like we had the Razer phone because it was sponsored by Razer. So right now what they have to do uh, would be to try and like get more um, outside run events or even community run events, but just support them and put them out there a lot more. Like I'm working on my own tournament right now and if SCMC can do something about it, I'll try and do a CA and NA version. I'm trying to make this a pretty big thing. But like right now what they have to do is they have to focus on the game because they, there are still a lot of issues that are coming out right now. And for the esports scene, which is not their focus right now, they should try and let it go to other um, companies or groups other than ESP because ESP right now is not doing anything. And they, I don't think they're ready to do anything right now, except for WSG. This, once again, an outside group. You see, WSG is what's making the esports scene of Vainglory um, in even 2018 and now 2019. Yeah. And like it, they not they are not even working with basically SEMC. They're their own group that are working on a tournament made on Vainglory. They have nothing to do with SEMC almost. So SMC has got to give more uh, room for these um, outside groups to create tournaments, offer cash prize if they can even SMC. They've done it with uh, Excoundrel Premier League. Like we got $1,000 that, that was offered uh, for the cash prize. <coughs> so they got to try and like um, help out on these like Just kind of like nurture, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely mm -hmm. respect that. Um, we kind of, we, we went around for a little bit talking about the explosion of, different gaming genres i, I kind of wanted to ask you guys uh um i wanted to ask you guys about the culture of the gaming industry i know we're about to take a sharp left turn from where we were a minute Oof. ago uh this was for the guys listening to the podcast i said earlier we were going to skip over a topic and i was going to come back to it as we kind of ex we, we kind of went deep into how the gaming communities have been expanding and and how we're merging and, and, and all these uh, modern concepts in the gaming industry. One thing uh, that shook me to my core uh, was a video that I came across. Um, I, I posted it on my Twitter of a female who was recording uh, footage of her playing games like Overwatch and whatnot. And one of the things that we're still struggling today uh, we're struggling with today is harassment and toxicity in the gaming industry. I feel for as large as the gaming industry has become, one of the issues that hasn't been tackled, I feel enough, is the concept of toxicity and and cyberbullying and 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 harassment. I mean, blatant harassment. I mean, if I, I'm going to post a, when I post a podcast link, I'm going to post the video, the link to that video again on my Twitter for uh, you guys to see. I mean, it was just gruesome what they were telling this female. What are your thoughts on hazing and toxic behavior in gaming, and how does that undermine the success of a title? Can can I start on this? Sure. Like, I'm going to be straight up. The gaming community needs to really sort their shit out, to be perfectly honest. Um people within any kind of involved in any kind of video game need to realize that overall what they say to people can and will make a difference within the game they play so many people within video games now are just unbelievably stupidly toxic not that they're even like i'm just having a laugh i'm just joking it's pointlessly toxic of what they say spamming twitch chat with pointless messages and you can turn around and go yeah that mean anything 
they're not wrong to a certain extent, but what does it actually add to the value of one, what they're watching, two, the game that they're watching, and, and three, the game that they're supposedly supporting? Don't get me wrong, I'm all for having a laugh, but gaming in yeah, general... It's, it's, one thing just... to, it's one thing to run it down mid, and then it's another thing to say sexually disparaging things to a member of the opposite well, sex or somebody of a different, you know, sexual orientation. Yeah, it, it, yeah and that's the thing, like, I, I, I don't necessarily want to, like, kind of focus too much on the whole, like, female thing because I think that's really, ob not obvious, but it, it, it's like, yeah, one, please, like, everyone just, like, treat freaking female gamers as if they're just another person gaming yet yeah, you can by all means be a little bit like surprised that like there's a female gamer i i'll openly admit i've been like oh, okay cool like you know female playing the game i've been like I've openly being like that because it is not as common but it doesn't mean that i'm automatically like oh my god i must befriend this person and and i message them 50 times a day and like essentially harass them no it's like you know, it's kind of like, oh yeah, cool, a female gamer. But you're like, yeah, you're still just an like you're another gamer. And I, don't get me wrong, I think overall, like video games in general, is a positive bridge gap of genre-based um people. And that's why I kind of wanted to just be like, look, people involved in any gaming community treat each other with a bit more goddamn freaking respect. Like really, like just you know. Yeah, I mean, I, sp I speak, uh, you know, I, yeah. I'm saying this as like a reference, you know, I, I'm not, like, video gaming wouldn't be successful if this was a extremely uh, large topic, you know what I'm saying? There's, the, the amount of toxic people are yeah. vastly smaller than the amount of uh, kind-hearted people that play games. So when I say toxicity in games, I really, I'm speaking to these, this minority of people that feel yeah. the need to control but other people with with negativity you know what i'm saying so video like i said video games would not be successful if if there was more toxic people playing video games we would not have True. video games the government would have stepped but, in by now and shut the whole thing down well here <laughs> yes and no man because and maybe i'm maybe i'm speaking a little bit too over the top when i say this but it's kind of like um the kind of sexual abuse of directors and producers in hollywood in the 80s and the 90s y you know just it, it was brushed it, under the carpet yeah, i was gonna say it's probably it's something it's that happened a, but it wasn't spoken about exactly it's nearly the same thing with toxicity and abuse in gaming because it, it it's it because it's a minority you know like it it shouldn't be like kind of it should be constantly at the forefront of people being better within a gaming community just don't treat each other with a bit more respect and actually look at what you're saying but yeah, yeah anyway. i appreciate that you know definitely a worthy response max what do you how, how, do, you, how do you feel um mobas in general tend to be a breeding ground for <laughs> a little bit of toxicity something that i've noticed since the beginning of moba genres as a whole it's a different level of uh, microaggression and, and flat out aggression when it comes to toxicity. Where do you kind of feel like where are you where's your head at when when the thought of toxicity and, and things like that uh, come into play? Well, already I'm 100 percent going to agree. Like MOBA is 
easily one of the most toxic communities <laughs> out there. I think with the Call of Duty community, like after that, you maybe got the MOBA community. Like it's absolutely insane. Just just a few days ago, I'd received a death threat. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually insane. I won't, I won't give it a, a name because I understand. Uh, I no, don't no. Give that info out. But yeah, because uh, <laughs> it's just people are really yeah like, I, insane. Like it's just people get so worked up, like worked on, like what, like I, I don't worked know how up. to even say it in words. Yeah, worked up. Like it's, it's so weird how people can actually get mad. Like I'm, I'm not gonna come up with like the normal sense of like oh it's just a video game i'm not going to say that because i'm trying to make a career and also imperium like we're trying to make actual Absolutely. work out of this environment so it's just that people don't have the maturity to go on video games and i think that also goes through the parents that they should try and also kind of check out what are their kids doing you know and, and if they don't do that like they're gonna have a bad attitude i had my friend like three years ago he had his uh, smaller brother that was playing league of legends mm-hmm it was like super bad, but like he's fine. Like the kid was like maybe what eight, nine, and I, he was speaking on the microphone and on Discord with some of his friends as he was playing, and he was like swearing at them all the time. And you're at like eight, nine. Like I don't think like people, like if you go a few years back, actually acted that way. And because now they have that, they can be anonymous on the internet. They can do whatever they want and can be whatever they want. Um, they just feel like all powerful, and they're just going to be then going. And attacking people, not really knowing what's going to happen because they don't see the people in front of them. They don't know how they react. And unfortunately, because of these kind of things, like we saw, even saw that in class in, in my school, you know, the suicide rates like went completely up in the gaming community, but like for some gamers out there. So you guys um, are also researching these kinds of statistics yeah. on, on negative behavior in, in the gaming industry. Yeah, yeah, like we have to we have to check out all these kind of information and that's know like very we have to understand that's this super interesting. Yeah. And that's very uh I mean, I gotta give your your university credit that they're even tackling issues like that, or, or they're they're choosing to study issues like that because it's it's very important. Uh, obviously, with the explosion of mental health awareness and things like that, that you guys are mm-hmm. taking the time to analyze statistics like that because it's you guys that are gonna be the ones to to kind of push it, maybe hopefully a better agenda or an agenda that's less toxic and things like that. Mm. Like we we have to try and like act on it right now, and that's why like it's slowly like coming to like the governments and different groups is. Like for example, we have um Blizzard on Overwatch. They started now recently. I think I don't think is it, if it's uh, already been put uh online right now. But what they're doing is like they're trying to um keep um a recording of voice chats to try and use that against people that like like abuse people in those chats. Yeah. Um. And they're like sexually, like the will can offend and can insult people, and they can use that against them. So slowly, that people and like game devs are slowly getting up to pace with these with these issues in the gaming community because they're offering tools for people to be able to talk to each other. Like for example, League of Legends, you've got the in-game chat, but you must have a way to regulate that in, in like regulate the attitude of these players. So like slowly but surely, that like, we're gonna have actors mm. trying to regulate and trying to really punish uh very severely these kind of attitudes so like we're getting there slowly but we're not quite there yet worthy enough i definitely again i appreciate you guys kind of i know we kind of closed the podcast on a serious topic but that's kind of something that had been festering with me i've been talking with a lot of people on the outside world that don't even play video games you know kind of like hey you know look at this you know i was telling people like yeah yeah i'm running a podcast and they're like oh what are some of the things you talk about and i was looking for things to mention and this particular video came up on my on my feed 
and I was like, can you believe this? And they're like, wow, like it's, it's really like that. And, and they kind of, even the people that don't play games, they were like echoing the same sentiment that you guys have, where it's kind of like, this is something that spans even outside of video games where people feel like be, this is a technology wide issue. This is not something that you find in VG yeah. or League of Legends. Of course. This is a society and technology fueled issue where people feel that they are like Mac, like Mac said, that you are behind a computer screen and there is a certain level of anonymity. Um, I refer to Joe Rogan's podcast where he interviewed the CEO of Twitter and he was basically saying how like the algorithm, you know, like it's impossible for them to police all of it. They have an automated system that does a lot of the filtering, which is usually triggered by a human response. Like human says, hey, I've been harassed. And then the automated algorithm starts to filter through, you know, um, there's some things that are just blatantly should never be said to anybody. And I'm hoping that as technology begins to as technology continues to evolve i won't say begin because technology has come a very long way in the past 30 40 years um that we find a way to snuff out this toxic behavior and whether it's league of legends whether it's vainglory whether it's apex legends or fortnite that we kind of push this agenda that using insensitive language and inappropriate language outdated language needs to kind of stop i'm not saying that we all have to be buddy buddy and there's i'm not saying that we have to get rid of gamesmanship good gamesmanship is a that's a proud word you know what i'm saying like that's just little things that oh, you guys yeah, of course. you know that's a that's things that you do among you know a team a you know says hey i'm a, you know i clearly know that our team is better than that team you know talk like that yeah. is good but when it becomes something personal uh we've even seen this outside well, actually we've seen it recently the effects uh, with the, uh, I know you guys don't really do MMA. This is just a uh, me shameless plug talking about the MMA po- uh, aspect. But you know when Conor McGregor had the incident with uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, this is in the real world. You know what I'm saying? And this is involving a sport where two people have to go in and literally hurt each other for a living. There was things said outside of the octagon that were so personal and assaulting to one's culture that the other person had completely snapped. And it ended up with the fighter jumping over the cage and jumping into the crowd, trying to get into a fight. It was just this whole explosion of things. I'm not saying that chat, you know, things people say to each other need to be policed. But I definitely do think that there needs to be more pressure on the surrounding forces to say, hey, listen, you, you just can't. There's, It's one thing to have gamesmanship. It's another thing to be a complete ass. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like just real quickly because somebody might tu- somebody might turn around and go oh well like Imperium's being hypocritical I'll be the first to turn around and say like yeah I've been toxic in the past and I've been an asshole to people in the past but it's it's once you realize that and I hope anybody if even one person kind of turns and goes yeah that's fair enough that like when you realize crap what I haven't actually done anything positive by saying what I've said that you that you that's when you kind of start to turn a corner and realize that yeah your actions can mean something and that if you actually turn around instead of saying to somebody um you know i hope you get cancer type thing that you turn around to go um or instead of saying to somebody typical examples i hope you delete the game or delete the game your shit instead of saying something like that and you kind of say look you know um maybe do this instead or, or i recommend this build path instead dude that can like 
stacking. Yeah, the like for the narrative and, of the competitive. Yeah, you know the competition. You know, support the competition of the game. There's way. There's, yeah, exactly. Like I said, that's why we call it constructive criticism. Exactly. And then there's exactly. This... So yeah, um, so I've learned that, and I'm, I'm. Don't get me wrong. When I'm chatting with somebody within a game, and it's just me and them, and let's say I've I've a third person using Vainglory as an example in like let's say 3v3 and I'm like this third person really is uh, to my friend I'll be like oh my god this guy is so shit I hate him I absolutely hate him but I'm not gonna add him and say that to him to his face because I don't it to yourself actually... if you don't have anything well, nice to say uh, yeah, don't say it at well, all and also I don't actually mean it I'm just kind of venting in an over the top way you know to my friend in that moment but if I did if that person did actually add me I'll just turn around and go, yeah, look, you know, you kind of made these mistakes. I wouldn't recommend this hero, et cetera, et cetera. Because, like, yeah, like you said, if I haven't got anything nice to say, kind of say anything at all. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys kind of taking the time to walk with me through that topic. I kind of felt like I was kind of suffering in silence as I read that. And I can only imagine some of the people that are harassed and things like that, you know, people that have to constantly deal with that stuff uh on a daily basis have to go through and i know it's a very sensitive topic so again i appreciate both of you guys going through that you know top debating that topic with me um with that being said i really do appreciate you guys coming on the podcast uh is there any you know are there any closing thoughts that you guys want to share any projects that you're working on things that people should be looking out for i will start with you imperium and then i will close out with the i will close out with maxman well uh, i'm Hey, look, I'm probably going to maximize slightly repeat what I said, but we're both casting the currently the Cryptic Contest 5v5 tournament, and that's happening every Saturday and Sunday for the next couple of weeks. And then basically directly after that, we're going into another 5v5 tournament called the Immense Gaming um, Tournament, which is go hopefully going to be just as exciting, just as um hype and um so yeah busy couple of months ahead and hopefully after that a uh, couple more projects but for now just those two uh tournaments so feel free to um yeah check those out max your turn mm. uh yeah so well really to close it up like as imperium said like we got a lot of casting work to check out like to, to work on so i hope you guys will come and check us out like that'd be awesome to have you guys also i'm working right now on on my own tournament because you know it's like seeing that there's no really that many tournaments happening right now there's nothing in ca and ea and eu and na there's like nothing really moving on right now at least a few uh community run tournaments but they don't have that professionalism that a lot of people are looking for in the esports scene right now and that environment for teams to actually be able to play in without too much of an issue uh, so i'm working right now on my own tournament uh the maximum premier league the mpl uh like it's just a humoristic take on the scoundrel premier league i thought i'd just call it like that like just for the meme um and yeah and i'm working on that right now it's a project that will be coming out into the next few in the next uh, few months uh in the near future so i'll just try and keep everyone updated but yeah there's some few projects that will be coming up and once again it's going to be me with my boy imperium we're going to be uh, casting yeah, that and uh, bringing that to you guys at ASAP. So I'll keep people uh, posted on social media. Good. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate both of you guys for taking the time. You guys are across the pond. It is so late. I know you have to get ready to go uh, to bed, Max. It's 3 a.m. <laughs> well, you guys really, you really toughed it out, and I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to have you guys send me those links so I can post it on the uh, podcast description. 
Uh, give these guys a follow uh, on Twitter. You'll see all that stuff in the podcast description. Uh, again, we thank you. I look forward to catching up with you guys soon, and I hope you guys both have a lovely evening. Thanks, season souls. We appreciate it, man. There you go. Another episode of the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. I'm so glad you guys tuned in. I really appreciate Max and Imperium for taking the time to join me from across the pond. I look forward to catching up with them again soon. Don't forget you guys can listen to this podcast wherever you consume your content. Until next time, guys, this is the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast.